Yeah. If you dress someone that's not going to hear it, are you addressing them at all? Mm-hmm. That's deep. It is deep. This week on Philosophy Chat, <laughs> Russell's teapot, is it really that small? We're back with another episode of Future Chat. It got off to a very weird start, but I think that might just be our cold open now. Um, we have been talking leading up to the recording of this episode about uh, the conservative leadership race that concluded last night. And Nick, I guess you had a few things you wanted to say about it and then we can discuss briefly. Um, like we were actually talking about it, though. It's not that I had anything to say particularly. OK, well, I, I have a few things that I'm interested to like muse on, but it's mostly just me being uninformed. Well, Nick, you made a <clears throat> comment last night on Twitter about voting systems, something about preferential voting. I did. Yeah, they had. Nick did. And just for our listeners, um, a leadership convention does not happen every day. Like this is the first leadership convention that the Conservative Party of Canada has had since its inception. Since the merger of the parties that made it. Yeah, Yeah. like it was a brand new party at the time. So 2004, 2005, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's like an apple. Are we not counting the progressive conservatives in this? This history? No, oh, it's a different party. Okay. Sorry, continue. Um, but it's it's kind of like an Apple keynote speech, except instead of consumer tech, it's important. <laughs> to the um, people involved in zing. it. Yeah. <laughs> Counter like, zing. <laughs> all Canadians. <laughs> I don't know when the last time um, an Apple speech led to a change in taxation structure, but... Hey, I could be wrong. Well, that that actually just did come yet. up. Honestly, in one of the keynotes, they started talking about yep. tax because Apple famously keeps a lot of their income abroad in foreign currencies and don't doesn't mm. repatriate their money. So um, it does come up, but you're right. It's a lot less important to more people, to most people. Counter, counter zing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the zing's just flying yes. here this morning on Philosophy Chat. Um. But so their their uh, their voting system was a ranked ballot, mm-hmm. which that is ironic because they're convinced that that's not appropriate to introduce to all Canadians, but they think it's fine for their own leadership conventions. Right, and the Liberals felt the same way. They also used ranked ballot. No, um, sorry, not not for wait. leadership. They used it for the most recent, at least the most recent round. Not necessarily for leadership. I'm not actually sure, but. Um, when they were picking their, at least our local MP and the other MPs that were picked in the last by-election, they used ranked ballots to pick those MPs. Oh, yeah, that's um, that's a different thing. Yeah. That's not like a leadership no. convention. That's just a like the local thing. Well, for the federal but MP. But this is actually, yeah. as far as I know, this is actually a, a pretty big departure from the standard uh, voting structure for a delegated convention. Yeah. Or this wasn't a delegated convention. They did use an indirect voting system, though, I noticed. They didn't count votes. They counted points that were allotted based on the number of votes. Did they? Yeah. I I don't know how those things map up, but they allotted a certain number of points for a certain number of votes in whatever areas of the country. But it wasn't directly counting votes. Okay, so like waiting? Yeah, I don't know how it works. I I didn't look too far into it, but I did hear that they weren't using votes. They were using points. 
Are you sure? You win points based on the number of votes, but why would you do that if they're not weighted some way? Did you... I guarantee you that I, I could be wrong, but I'm wondering if you heard them talking about percentage points and thought they were talking about No, points. they actually... I'll, I'll find a link, but continue. Okay. Uh, no, normally they have a round of voting, and then they drop off the person in last place, and then they have another round of voting, and then they drop off the last person, and the last person will give a speech and say, like, usually they'll just say, oh, I free my delegates, and they can do whatever. Or they'll say... Listen, I really believe in so and so. If you or if if you're my delegates, I recommend you vote for so and so. And then a lot of people will, right? But um, and so that makes for a pretty long voting day. Yeah, thirteen rounds. Well, it depends on the number of candidates. In, in this one, there were thirteen rounds. Yeah, in this one, there were thirteen rounds. Um, but it. It makes for some long days and some surprising results. Like, um, I'm trying to remember which convention it was and how exactly it went, but I'm thinking of, I think I'm thinking of the first leadership convention that Michael Ignatieff was in. Okay. And I'm pretty sure the last round came down to like Bob Ray and Stefan Dion somehow. Hmm, okay. And because Stefan Dion got someone, I want to say Wolf was his name. Anyway, Wolf asked all his delegates to support Stefan right. because he believed in his green shift idea. Hmm. And then just suddenly what was supposed to be a race between Bob Ray and Michael Ignatieff came out with Stefan Dion. Right. But this one, like, everyone's votes were in from the very start yes they were and so the time between votes being held was very very small mm-hmm. if any of you watched did it. you i don't think you watched like it. the time in between votes like this time in between the announcement of who won subsequent rounds is that what you mean yeah like they because they've they counted all the votes but people didn't they didn't have multiple rounds because it was ranked they just well, dropped off and then recounted. Like they they treated it as rounds. They did count treat it as rounds. Like I assume more for spectacle than anything else. Because oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, like because yeah. otherwise it's just like, hey guys, this is your leader. Yeah. Um, did you watch when Hello Internet did their flag referendum thing? Mm-hmm. Did you watch that video of them counting the actual ballots? No. Okay. They basically they had a podcast episode that was just something like two hours of them running through the ranked ballots i listened to it okay you listened i i listened and then when they said that when they started referencing the video stream and i was just sitting there i was like i should just turn on the video version of this but it was very it was very interesting seeing them go through the rounds and seeing how things changed but in their case they used ranked balloting but it wasn't necessary because the plurality also got the majority in the end um Mm. but in this case the Maxim Bernier won the first 12 rounds, but then ended up coming in second because he only got 49% of the actual overall ranked vote, which I found very yeah. interesting. And so like, this was actually my story for this week, yeah. but I found out or I read up on the company that actually did the voting system. Okay. It goes by the name of D- Dominion Voting Systems. And 
they've actually like they've now they worked on the last liberal leadership convention which selected justin trudeau as the leader okay and they just worked on the conservative leadership convention which selected andrew Scheer. right and like their systems actually sound really cool like really robust so they've obviously just done a ranked balloting system for this um they have a they have an ad on their site for the availability of ranked balloting systems for Ontario in 2018. Huh. Because as you can imagine from the Hello Internet stream, that can get pretty tedious. Yes. <laughs> like rather than just counting all the votes, they had like how long did it take them? It was like, at least two hours, if not more. And that was just several thousand. I don't think they like they had to mail in postcards with their votes. Yeah, and that's like a couple thousand. Like the there were one hundred and fourteen thousand votes in the conservative leadership convention, right. but like these systems, even if you're doing a balloted system, like it, I think it said it counts in the range of one hundred and thirty ballots per minute, hmm. with like which is only two percent accuracy. That's about. still pretty it's very good. much faster than a person counting, but it it's not computer fast. Which I don't know if that makes me kind of disappointed that it's so slow, or if it makes me feel good that they're actually taking enough time to dedicate to making sure they do it right uh i've been a part of a hand count before mm. and that's just a first past the post hand count yeah. that's tedious i can imagine like like so yeah with the states's balloting system mm -hmm. with like the punch vote only some places with the chads punch, and yeah hanging chads that's not like new concept right like automate accounting no if you want to enlighten us i don't actually know how the state's voting system works when you say the state's well, voting system what do you are you referring to the actual system of how they vote or the political system of how votes are counted like the machinery right. that does the voting and then the counting okay or or they maybe they're actually hand I counted they're like hand i just counted. know that, that would be my assumption maybe they are hand counted it's just the punching that's done by a machine yeah. Because Cause that was the whole yeah. debacle was that the machines weren't punching the things out completely. Yeah. Like, and one, a couple stations, I think, had like thousands of votes that weren't valid because they weren't. The little Chad has to be completely punched out yeah. for the vote to count. The hanging Chad so was then the, the big the hanging meme Chad, of right. yeah. the year 2000. But um, so just so I'm clear, that's like you have a hole punch and yeah. the yeah. hole that's punched out doesn't completely detach. Exactly. That's what right. we're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. Until today, I had no idea what a hanging chad was. <laughs> yeah, that's what that, that's what that was. Oh, yeah. And it was just, as far as I know, other states might have used it, but the main problem was that so many voting stations in Florida specifically used it. And that was the very contested state that ended up going to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, having been part of that hand count, like the fate of democracy <laughs> rests on someone who had like an hour yeah. or two training session and they take basically anyone right so like like the rules are very strict and very clear mm -hmm. in canada anyway as to what counts as a vote it's like to the point where i think at the time anyway like if it breached the border of the circle by too much like it was considered not counted i might be right. misremembering but like very strict and we had one person in the training course who said, well, can you count that? And they're like, well, no, 
because it's <laughs> it's like one of those quizzes hmm. where you put it up in front of the entire class and it's like which one of these are valid and they're like well i'd count that one it's like well i mean <laughs> she's like, like yeah like it's clear what they meant to do it's like well that is your right to call under the elections act <laughs> The, the thing, Nick, did you, when you were doing this count, from what I've heard, it's it's very stressful even for the people doing the counting because you, like people from representatives of each party that's represented are allowed to have people at the station not counting, but they're allowed to oversee the process. So I'd imagine you have people just like watching you like hawks, trying to make sure that everything's being counted properly. Is that the um, case? Well, I mean... We had a new Democrat scrutineer there, but in terms of the problems that were caused for me that day, the the scrutineer was the least of my problems. Okay. Like, I think in our, in our actual box, we had, like, I think we had one or two spoiled ballots and they were very obviously spoiled. But like, I mean, it was me, the other guy for the polling station, the person who was overseeing the entire site and the scrutineer i think we were the ones at the table and like everyone else because we were the last ones to be free to do the counting and we had a lot to count yada 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 um but it it wasn't a big deal like the person i was with had done it many times before so he he actually did a really good job because he like separated into piles all the votes Mm. so that recounting was faster and easier because you have to double check sometimes Mm. That's good. Um, but like when we had we had to make like one or two judgment calls and like they put it down for like all the people with the power to make the call. And we all just looked at it and said, yeah, no, that you can't do that. Hmm. And just got pitched. Interesting. So did you vote on which ballot was valid? <laughs> no. And then they used a ranked well, ballot for that vote. <laughs> Had we, and then it would have been unanimous on the first round. So it would have been a first round exit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm very curious. I'm going to be doing some research into this Andrew Shear character because I've been reading, like I'm trying to read. I can never tell anymore if the Globe and Mail story or the National Post story that I read is going to be good. So I kind of, I don't want to trust just like people on Twitter saying this guy has got some very backwards ideas about certain things versus looking at someone trying to actually be objective and get information. And so I'm holding out too much judgment, but I'm kind of open to hearing because I want, I I keep thinking ever since the last two years or so, when we've been hearing like the UK, all like very extreme right-wing politicians, and then the U S obviously, and then France with Marine Le Pen, I, I just want, like reasonable conservatism because i feel like I, I could actually get on board with some policies that a reasonable conservative would put forth but they just seem to keep taking the most extreme policies possible and i can't well, get on board with it i mean how much did you follow the race i only followed it from the headlines that entered my bubble which was like kevin o'leary is a tool and <laughs> kelly leach was racist i think we have a title yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I kept getting, it was Kelly Leach, right? That's her name. Yeah. I kept seeing ads for her on the internet everywhere. And really, yeah. I wonder what 
filters you're triggering. I know. It was very odd, but I kept hearing about her values Rob test. Rob is blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white. Born in, born here, but moved did, to Alberta and grew up in Alberta. Did you guys see... I don't know Did I, I don't know if I retweeted it or not, but I didn't realize this was a thing that in Twitter, I think both on the app and on desktop, you can look up... Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that. ...how advertisers see you. Mm. Like the different labels that are applied to you based on either your tweets or your browsing history or whatever, and see what companies have targeted you. Hmm. So presumably they're they're targeting you based on these labels that exactly assigned to your profile. Yeah, but it's it's crazy seeing you through the eyes of like a marketing department. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's crazy. Like I have so many weird things attached to me, and. so, so it'd be interesting for you. We'll put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I'll, if I'll I can find the find link because it. it's yeah. uh, if you go into twitter.com like slash s- settings yeah. slash your underscore Twitter underscore data, I'll post the link so you don't have to type that all in, but you can go to the very bottom of it. It'll show you uh, interests from Twitter. It Interests may match to you based on your profile and activity. Then you have interest from partners, which is partners building audiences around shopping decisions lifestyle and other online and offline behaviors and then tailored audiences which i think mike was the thing you posted um being part of i think so yeah, probably being yeah. part of i'm part of 19 yeah. or 9321 audiences from 2500 advertisers which is just like that's too much data and but there are links to you can actually request the list of advertisers that they have for you which i mean is in terms hmm. of transparency that's pretty cool of them to yeah. do yeah. I, I actually did that. Yeah, I got the email the other day and it was just pages upon pages of Twitter yeah. handles. <laughs> so, um, in terms of, sorry, in terms of an East meets West corner, I was really excited because I thought Bernier was going to win. Okay. And he has a lot of like, not hard, but soft libertarian ideas like shrinking government, which is often a conservative thing, but also like ending supply management and uh, like, he had because libertarianism like has no social conservative conservatism elements right. to it it's just like yeah do whatever the hell you want mm-hmm. are you not hurting other people good carry on yeah. and so like i was and a lot of people were really excited to see like the uh like the tax and spend liberals versus the libertarian conservative versus whatever the hell the ndp have decided <laughs> they're going to be by that point <laughs> because it's it's honestly pretty up in the air at this point it really is but like that was going to be a battle of ideas that was like really like not typical of canadian politics and now we have like a version of harper who smiles a lot and people don't hate yet Hmm. or people aren't upset with yet right so yeah we'll be keeping an eye on that politics situation but it does seem also if we could sorry if we could momentarily address the coverage like <laughs> yeah, sure at the end they go there's five minutes remaining but someone had come over and whispered something to sheer and bernier and all of a sudden bernier is he like smiled and then he's just like <laughs> stone-faced and across the aisle from him sheer is sitting there like with his big grin on his face <laughs> he's like did you need that extra five yeah, minutes? Yeah, really. Really? Uh, like, that's silly. It's kind of unfortunate that we make P 
people like these are human beings who make them go through things like that on television like the the nhl draft lottery used to be i mean when they first started i guess that was when they also came out with the idea to to televise it and now it becomes a bigger and bigger show every year where they have like a special segment dedicated to it and they fly in all the gms or owners or whoever it is have them sit in a room and it's like this is for a draft pick like it's important but it's not that important in fairness like having them there is pretty like it leads to some good theater well that's what i mean it's it's all theater that's it's like these are these are people and we're treating it like a spectacle right but you can you can literally have trades go down on the floor (laughs) right like i'll trade up my draft pick like based on what happened i mean like you're still having scouts and whatnot advising you but yeah i'm sure a lot of that kind of discussion takes place literally like from table to table oh yeah like i mean the year that they drafted kadri uh what's his guy elmer fudd from the (laughs) ottawa senators wandered over to brian burke asked him if he wanted to trade and like they the audio came out later but like burke looks back at him is it is it cadre you want is it cadre here after and he's like yeah it's it's we're gonna try and draft cadre and he's like okay well we're taking him so (laughs) (laughs) so i'm specific i'm not referring to the nhl draft being televised which i get i'm referring to the draft lottery where they oh the draft lottery sorry who gets the first right 20 picks or whatever it is right and decide the yeah, order. Yeah, no, that's unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that is much like the the leadership convention, which, I mean, you could have just in about 10 minutes run it all through. Yeah. yeah Maybe they, not 10 minutes, but make, yeah. 120 volts hours. per minute. <laughs> yeah. you. It could all be Even over then, in like a, a couple of hours, but not have to kind of go I'm, through the rounds of voting like that. I'm wondering how it actually works, because if... If the machine was capable of just recording everything all at mm-hmm. once, like if, if it had that much memory, which... I would hope it does. You'd hope so? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd just be like... Because they only allowed 10 options for the conservative leadership. Mm-hmm. So all you actually need to do is record an array that's 150,000 long and 10 ele- elements wide. Yeah. Very doable. So do we know, based on the ranked ballot system, if that voting style came into play or was there an outright majority with the number one preference no it it it's the ranked ballot is the reason we have the result yeah. that we do okay and, sorry i you were you were briefly gone while we were discussing it but maxim bernier was had the majority of or the plurality of votes not the majority not 50 percent, 51 percent. he had the plurality for 11 or 12, 12 straight yeah. rounds and then lost on the 13th round oh crazy yeah. but like <laughs> In the 12th round that left the last three candidates standing, the third place guy that got eliminated had a 20% vote share, which is hmm. substantial for that round. Yeah. So he was the, the guy that won was nobody's top choice. I mean, very few people's top choice, but was the consensus of a majority. Right. In the aggregate. About yeah. 28% of people's top yeah. choice. Yeah. But nowhere near like he was, he was not going to win until the very end when everyone else kind of said we're just not supporting this other guy which is the point of ranked balloting like that's actually kind of the desired outcome of choosing a system like that Mm -hmm. so okay so uh, again maybe you guys already talked about this on the last episode or the one before that of hello internet 
they talked about France's voting system, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And how in that one, it's they do a runoff vote, but everyone re-votes. Yes. Like, you mm-hmm. don't vote for your preferences right off the bat and keep those. Is people get a chance to re-vote, yep. like, in the next couple of weeks or whatever, right? So there's almost a second campaign round. Yeah. Is this similar? People re-vote? No. Or do people rank and then it gets counted and counted and counted until you have a winner? In this case, that's not the case. Like, they just had one vote and that was it. Like, okay. one ranked ballot. Um, right. Although, like, it was, I was telling rob in normal conventions what they have is uh or delegated conventions maybe long and short um you'll have a round of voting the last place person is eliminated and then they'll get up and like give a speech and say i either release my voters to do what they want or in some rarer cases they'll say listen i strongly believe in so and so and i want you to support them and then i mean they can still vote however they want Mm -hmm. but in delegated conventions i think they're more likely to go all right i came with you and i'll do what you think right, right. but uh, that's that's how we ended up getting stefan dion as liberal leader for a mm. few years because he just kind of came out of nowhere and someone sent their delegates to support him and then well the rest is history right so we have We've spent a lot of time on East Meets West Corner, which I love, by the way. But uh, Dominion Voting Systems Corner? Uh, sure. <laughs> Dominion Voting Systems, for all your leadership convention needs. <laughs> Not yet a sponsor. <laughs> Dominion Voting Systems, for all your ranked balloting needs. I, I'm glad you did the second reading. I'm going to keep both in, but I like it. Still not yet a sponsor. <laughs> um. I, I need to talk to you guys about Microsoft OneNote because we don't have enough in this world of people completely reevaluating their life choices and reforming opinions of things. And I did that this week. Rob, hmm. is this a killer app? Killer? I don't know if it's a killer app, but it's certainly an app I'm going to be using much more in the future. Like... The, the old definition of killer app was like that program is the reason why you buy the machine that you're getting. You just you want a machine that can run this app. Um, no, it's actually kind of the opposite of like, that. OK, because like the first spreadsheets were like that, yeah. like the first spreadsheet programs where instead of actually having a large sheet of paper mm-hmm. that you wrote things <laughs> down on and like erased when you needed to change a number. Yeah. All of a sudden, accountants were like, oh. and that was the killer app. Wow, that was quite the sound. It like really was. Enjoy that, Rob. Um, so we talked, I forget if we have, I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, but Mike and I definitely talked about it on desktop a couple of episodes ago. And it's the... F- a member of Unwind yeah. Media. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh the fact that th- the most important thing to me is that an application is cross-platform. And so I use, because I use a Windows desktop, a Mac laptop, I have an Android phone, I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, I have all these things. I have been using apps. I've been trending towards things I can do that go across all of those computers. But the one computer that tended to be left out, other than Google Chrome was my work computer. And so there was a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I 
couldn't do it because I didn't have admin privileges on my work computer. And there's no way the IT group at my work would install just any old application I wanted on my work computer. And because we use Office, OneNote is on our workstations already. Like when we when you get there, OneNote's already installed. And because you just lo- you can log into OneNote with your Microsoft account, you can it be- this becomes the network that I'm on at work becomes a separate platform in a way, in this way. And so OneNote has now become the ultimate cross-platform thing for me and when I first, when OneNote first debuted, it was a thing that you, like for me, what, looking at it, it was a thing that you could write text into and like separate it into groups and it seemed interesting, but not all that powerful, not all that useful. And because there was only really, at the time when it first came out, there was only really like Windows. I don't even think iOS was a thing yet. Like you can get OneNote for Windows and OneNote for Mac and maybe not even Mac at the very beginning. So it didn't have any mu- much of that appeal to me, but now... You can like it's like Netflix. You can get it on any platform. They OneNote has apps for everything, and no, you can add text. You can add like you can literally add any piece of content or media or anything to a OneNote like and folder. There's nothing in OneNote that's actually called folder. There are workbooks and then <laughs> workbooks sections, pages, and or sorry, notebooks sections pages and then like content areas there are all these things so i can add a table i can add a file attachment i can add a spreadsheet i can add a screen grab i can add a picture i can add a video i can add recorded audio i can insert equations i can draw with my finger or with like an apple pencil in my particular case you can add urls from any so you can add all kinds of content to these things and you can organize things such that it's like flipping pages in a book going between things, which is the whole like, it's a, it's a corollary to having a notebook full of stuff, but digital. And my life ha- using Google Drive and using documents for things, I've kind of had a document model for organizing myself where it's kind of like you have to, you have a bunch of books on a shelf and you have to go and grab a book and then you open it And then you have like one page on this book and then you put the book away and then you grab another book and do something different. Whereas OneNote for me has been like flipping pages in one single book. And because because of the nature of documents and the way I work with things, I really like the idea. So if I have a piece of content saved for future chat, say, and I want to send that information to... I don't know, be it another podcast, be it desktop, be it my own personal work, be it my work work stuff. If I want to save a piece of content, but sorry, but we're your favorite podcast, right? Yeah, of course. Oh, thank God. Suck it, Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) What I can do is I can have a personal OneNote thing where I kind of send, I just like push all my information into that. Like I unload, offload my brain into that personal OneNote And then I can literally just copy and paste individual pages to different sections. Like I can just throw it because everything, it's all treated the same. I can just drag and drop anything into any other platform in a way that you can't, you can't really do that well or that easily with any other platform that I've used. And so I've basically, so spoiler alert, I didn't tell you guys, but I made a future chat OneNote notebook. 
and I've just been dumping Ooh. all my knowledge into it about future chat. So like now I have a page or I have a, a section called YouTube and a page called start a new episode. And I just put a bunch of links in there, all the things that I do to start to make a new episode happen. And so rather than having like a set of bookmarks that I open, uh, remembering what folder I have to go to, to create a new, um, audition document, to start the episode, a new, a link to the, um, the po the page on the website that lets me update the thing to a new number. All of this stuff is just now on one page. I can see it all at once. And I just have to open OneNote on any computer, any system I'm on. This also works on the web, by the way. I just have to go in and click these links and like everything is all there in one spot. And so I'm going to, I'm doing this for work. Like I'm literally, I've used OneNote more in the last 24 hours than I had ever used it the rest of my life combined. And it has been amazing to not have to think like even with something like Instapaper or Pocket for Mike, uh, whatever read later service you use or Evernote, or whatever. Yeah. Even like, even stuff like Evernote, it's not even Evernote. Like it's very siloed. You, you can't as effectively separate your life into different, like you can't take, at least as far as I know, maybe OneNote or maybe Evernote is a lot better than I have ever seen it be used for, but you can't, you couldn't say start a new Evernote book or like set of notes and then share it with a set of people and then open a second set of notes and then share it with a different set of people. Like you can't, there's no, it, there's not really that kind of mm. cross person, cross platform, cross content kind of movability. But this, this program is so adaptable to anything you could ever want to do. And you can organize your information in any way, like any number of ways you want. I just, I needed people to, Basically, in summary, give OneNote another chance, I would say, because the way that life has been going, we have all of these things that are just constantly hitting us. Basically, it's like for me, it feels like they're all hitting me in the face one after the other. Like a video pops up in my feed, all this, like a Facebook post comes up and I'm tagged in it and all this stuff keeps coming in and I'm able to just offload all of it into one place that I can just open anywhere from any computer. I can just go in, log in and see everything. And I, 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 I want to hear what you guys think and we can talk a little more about it, but that's, that's what I wanted to say. So that you're pretty excited about one note is what I'm gathering I from am. this. So it sounds good. It, it sounds even great based on how you're describing how you've been able to use it. And I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. That's just cool to be able to have all these different types of files all in one place and be able to be shareable and collaboration. But I thought, doesn't Google Drive already do that? <laughs> and and I'd I'd like to hear your answer on that. Because that's that's essentially what I'm I'm hearing you say is the benefit of OneNote. So okay. And, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that's if different. If you read a story on the internet that you really like, where do you put it in Google Drive? Oh, I, I don't. Well, that's, for that, one. So that's one. That's one reason. Like, I can just put it in OneNote. But, yeah. but you can set up a mm -hmm. applet to send things from Pocket or your bookmarks yeah. saver of choice to a Drive spreadsheet. So which spreadsheet? 
anyone it doesn't know but then you need like so for me i have a future chat spreadsheet that i send links to for future chat and i have that for all my shows Mm -hmm. but and and so that's great for preparing notes like it's great for preparing show notes for instance for this show but if there's a story or an article or something that i read and i'm like say i'm trying to gather my thoughts on politics Mm mm-hmm it's not as convenient for me to be like, okay, what's that spreadsheet that I saved that link to? Unless you build like 50 different spreadsheets to categorize things in your life. And I just, there, there are limitations. Okay. So in your yeah. case, in your case using OneNote, what would you do then? I would send it to OneNote as a quick note. And so I have a, like, there, there's a, like, every, it, not only does OneNote, exist on every platform but they use the functionalities that those platforms present in the way that you'd expect them to so you can you can save quick notes like you can take a quick picture and send it to one note you can save a quick note and send it to one note and it'll it'll populate one specific section of your kind of whatever i mean whatever workbook you want but of one specific area in a workbook and so you can have all these different types of like if i take a picture and it's important and i want to save it somewhere I can send it to OneNote and it will show up in this area, but I can also take a quick note, like write down, a, I don't know, a pin number or something. That's a terrible idea, but write down a pin number and then <laughs> just send it to that same OneNote. I can, I don't know, I can record an audio snippet and I can send it to OneNote. I can just take any piece of thing and I can send it and it'll just keep it. And then I can organize it as I want, either after the fact or as I'm, as I'm doing it so how but again how's that different from just saying add to google drive like that option exists how would you add a link to like simplest like i can go through this for each content type like yes i could make an audio recording in like voice notes on my phone and then upload it to google drive i could do that yeah you just share it to google drive but where does it go in google drive just like just in my my main drive folder yeah yeah so i'm intrigued by that thought for audio files for audio files specifically but like the the example of links unless you're sending them all to individual spreadsheets that like it presents the same problem like you don't when you open OneNote, you can go and see like you open a page and you just see everything you want like you see everything you've saved to that area Whereas on mm-hmm. Google Drive, if I need to go and see, oh, hey, what's, what are the last few things that I've, what are the last few links that I've saved in this category, which again is a separate applet in IFTTT that you have to make for each of these things. You have to mm-hmm. go and open the document. Like you have to go to open the specific spreadsheet you created to see the list of links. Whereas in OneNote, it's right. all just like you go to the page on OneNote. So the links are their own item. Exactly. Okay. It, I, I can see the benefits of it. Like it sounds. I, what, so what I would say is at in, least then drive for that application. But then I'm but then I'm both I'm using Drive and so, OneNote, which to me isn't for, better for for me being able to like say I'm I'm sitting at home and I have this thought like oh next on Monday you're sitting at home <laughs> yeah and you have this thought like mm-hmm. oh on Monday at work I need to go and do this thing and. So you go and do a quick, let's say you do a quick web search, find a piece of a relevant piece of a thing you want to think about on Monday at work. 
you can save that to a OneNote note at home and then kind of forget about it, silo it away. And even though I can't access my work OneNotes outside of work because they're shared, they're shared on our network, but they're not shared. Like you can't share them externally. It's it. You can specifically set access based on access right. to a specific yeah. network and for each, for each notebook, notebook exactly. or whatever. And, but all I have to do is save it to my personal OneNote, and then I can open my work OneNote, like my, the OneNote program on my computer at work. I have access to both of those, the network shared one and the home shared one. And I just have to hit move page to my work notebook because it's all, they're all individual pieces of content. Whereas if I was trying to do something like that with Google drive or any combination of other stuff, it means like emailing myself information and then having to go and I I was just going to say, I just email myself when I want to do that. I get, if I get a hundred emails a day at work, or even if I get 20 emails a day, like I constantly lose track of emails. Like I just forget about them because there's always, there's constantly a new thing coming in. Whereas this, if it, it kind of separates it and it lets me keep the important stuff without having to focus on the stuff that isn't important in order to get through it. Like this is just stuff that I have kept in an area there's nothing cluttering it up with anything anybody else has done anyways i'm i'm not trying to say this will change your life and i'm not even trying to say this will change like i may get bored of this and like find it not useful in the end but if you haven't looked at it in a while i'm suggesting that you take a look and i'm all i'm going to be sharing the future chat notebook with you guys so you can see what i mean and what i've been doing because i feel like I could actually, this would actually, for me, be a way that I wouldn't have to, like, I could offload my knowledge that someone else, in theory, could post an episode of the podcast without needing to, without needing to actually get instructions from me constantly, like having to ask, oh, like, what do you do in this case? I could just post either information, either text or links to things, um, the other, the other interesting thing about being able to do this and that, that you would need, you would need either a bunch of kind of individual word documents or some other kind of document thing in order to do is that, so at work, we have our network drive, which is like labeled S it's the S drive. And we have, we have a, each have a personal drive where we can put personal, like personal work files that we're not necessarily wanting to keep shared called the Y drive. Like it's mapped to Y. And then we have, like, we have our, obviously we have our C drive. We have a secure thing that's run by a program called OpenText, where we can securely store documents at work on a server. And like, we can, they have versioning control and all of this and permission control. It's really frustrating and annoying having to swap constantly between those systems when you're creating favorites or kind of putting shortcuts together and all that. But if you have a OneNote workbook, you can just paste like agnostically platform agnostically paste links to any of those file systems separate file systems and it will just automatically populate with um it will automatically just take you to that area with whatever it is and so in addition you can also link like everything in OneNote has a link associated with it so you can link to a section you can link to a workbook you can link to a page you can link to you can even link to a paragraph on a page and so like I have in my start a new episode um, page for future chat, I have the link to YouTube where you can start a new event. I have the link to a Google Drive folder where I can create a new episode, uh, new show notes for an episode. And then I have a link to a OneNote, a separate OneNote page 
that has the YouTube description pasted into it. So I can just go into that page, paste the YouTube description into YouTube now that I've created the new episode. Then I have a link to the future chat folder on my computer. And then I have a link to, um, to unwindmedia.com where I can edit the new, like the next um, post page so that like I can share it once it's ready. And, but this is all like, th- those are just five entries in a document. Like those are just five things, but they're pointing to five separate types of content, five separate areas. And mm-hmm. there's no easy way to do that quickly. Like if you did it in Google drive, they'd be, they'd have to be different documents and you can link to a different Google drive document, but then you're sitting there waiting constantly for things to be loading or like, there's just a lot more lag, whether it be, whether it be mental lag or whether it be network lag or computer lag between kind of switching things where this is one program that has everything. It's all, you can store all your knowledge on a topic in that. And I haven't found that in drive. Right. So do you think that, like, do you think that OneNote has the capacity to explode among consumers for this reason? Or is it still just obscure enough that you don't think it'll happen? I honestly don't know because you hear about it every once in a while. But, and, and I know that people use it because they wouldn't, like, this, this interface has added more and more stuff faster than any other platform has. Like faster than any other Microsoft invested platform, there's definitely more features than have changed in Windows. There's definitely more features than have changed in any other Office application. There's even more features that have changed than like Microsoft Edge, the new browser. Like it's 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 so modern, and the syncing works really well, and everything. Like it's like I said, it's cross-platform, but it's it's even cross. It works in home life it works in like a school setting it works in a work setting like it it's completely it's completely life situation agnostic everyone has bits of information that they want to save and this can say this can handle literally anything you can throw at i can't think of a piece of computer content that it couldn't store for you so the the key differentiator i'm hearing between this and drive is the user experience when you're trying to use the stuff mm-hmm. you've put in it like and just yeah. being able it's kind of like in this it's i don't know how to it's not even separate from like drive. you're able to you're able to like silo it better you can, almost within yeah your own kind of like there are silos but they're right next to each other and there are all kinds right. of very very distinct but interoperable gaps so the silos are all like they're literally they're basically different silos but they're quant- they're they're in the same like they're quantum superposed on each other it's like a it's like a silo exactly form. kind of <laughs> but all the silos are in the same place like even physically they're all in the same place so you're basically swapping back and forth between kind of spatial dimensions in order like quantum dimensions in order to differentiate them cuz they're all in the same place you have all these different contexts like i'm gonna i'm going to even just we've talked about slack before and how people don't use it and how that's a problem but 
I've always found that like if if neither of you use Slack at all and we had conversations separate on Messenger or Hangouts or whatever, I would still find Slack useful because of all the things that interoperate with it. Like I send every like I send all kinds of things to Slack just because I want to be notified. OneNote doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. notify me when I change things. Like you can't necessarily set reminders. It's not a be all and end all app for everything. But working with Drive and working with Slack and working with all these other things like I it's not a drive replacement because I link to Google Drive all the time in it but it it is the kind of all-encompassing thing that makes anything else you use more useful I feel like keep can be has a potential to be it has the potential absolutely but it does not reach that potential it's, it's obviously not there yet no no that's what I had been using is keep yeah like it's yeah like between yeah, for from a throw stuff into something standpoint, it's either drive or keep. Like keep will just yeah, take down notes. Like I'll put I have a note for like things mm-hmm. I want to buy, just like or need to buy or whatever, like and just have that as just like a standing kind of thing. So that would be like my yeah. note for just whenever I want to add stuff to it. And I'll throw links in there, like our grocery mm-hmm. list is in there, like all that kind of stuff. But maybe yeah, I just haven't found a need to throw just like files and audio and video and pictures and that kind of thing into something Mm. so maybe that's why i don't necessarily appreciate the benefits that OneNote does offer but i can i can tell that for what you're looking to do this does sound like it does something that drive can't like what i'm what i'm going to do do as well is if i go into a meeting now at work i'm going to bring my ipad i will be able to take a page where I can paste, like I, in my in my work OneNote, I can paste the the agenda for the meeting into OneNote, and then I can mo- copy that page or move it or whatever I want to do into my personal one, so that I can take it off the network. I can go into the meeting. I can take notes over, which in surprise is allowed if if your network is so locked down that you're not allowed to access it outside of work. That they don't no, allow people to. You move can stuff out you of. can move pages between notebooks. So I would just move the page into it like i would copy the page into a different notebook it would be like copying it would be like saying oh i don't think you should be able to move a spreadsheet to an uh, like a work spreadsheet into a new spreadsheet and then email that spreadsheet out of the network like there that's a ridiculous thing to be able to try to limit like i can Maybe. i could physically print i could print out a copy of a page and i could leave the building like the the data no, is not well, you, you could carry a computer out of the building like i, I know yeah. the physical vulnerabilities but i i guess i i know what you're saying but just within one note if a notebook is set to have certain security settings the notebook itself is set to have certain security settings but the content inside the notebook isn't okay okay and so what i would do is i would take i would copy the page to my own personal note grab my ipad in the meeting have the agenda open on in one note i can take notes over top of everything in the note once the meeting ends, move it. I can just copy it back into my work OneNote, and then it's saved. The text underneath, my annotations over top. I can make any more changes that I need to make, like finalize things. Um, it's going to literally revolutionize the way I work because what I what I have to do now, if I want to have the agenda for a meeting, because like our file system is all siloed, I would have to download a copy of the Word document that's the agenda to my iPad and then 
open it in Word or open it in some PDF annotating document or open it in some kind of thing that lets me annotate documents and then save a copy of it, email it back to myself or send it back to myself. Like there's no, there's no way for me to easily get quote unquote files from my iPad to my work computer. But with OneNote, it all, it considers everything equally and you can just move things back and forth between. And it's automatically, the automatic syncing is the important point there. Like, yes, it's basically the same if I just email it to myself, but then I'm having to do that as opposed to just saving it and having it sync across. Right. But yeah, it's going to totally change everything about everything for me. I assume. It seems like based on the start, based on the first (laughs) day and a half. So yeah, I'll, again, and it's also very easy to share things. So like I'll share this notebook with you guys and you can see all the things that I've done to start and like, but uh, so I would highly suggest looking into this on your own, especially if you feel overwhelmed, like I do with all the content that's constantly flying across your mind. Right. Well, I mean, my approach to that has been to cut down on the content that flows across Same my here, mind. But in some cases you just can't. I disagree. In some cases I can't. <laughs> Fair. So I, I actually tried using one note. Like on my computer, like my laptop, uh, I'll sometimes bring it into hmm. meetings and, and take notes on it because it has the pen. Uh, and then I was like, well, how do I, and it's their work hmm. stuff usually, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I easily integrate this into my work yeah. file hmm. system? And like you, uh, we have OneNote on our computers. And so I just use, this is one of the few cases where I just use my regular microsoft yeah. account like it didn't set up a yeah. separate work one um but yeah i was able to set up a notebook for work stuff and then put my my handwritten notes yeah. in that notebook and log in at work on OneNote using under my same account and that notebook pops right. up there so yeah that's it's nice to see yeah like you said it's, it's accessible on the web yeah. as well which is kind of cool so it's ex- not only is it accessible on the web which i like but if you have OneNote installed on the computer and you go and log in on the web, you can hit open in OneNote, like open in desktop, and it'll pop the app, desktop application open and open that wherever mm. you are in that note, wherever you are in that workbook or notebook or whatever it is, it'll open that spot in the program and you can directly have native right. app access instead of having to like go back and context switch, like open OneNote from the start and then go navigate back to where you were, which is like, again, one of the problems with drive is that unless you have a link down to a specific folder or file, you can't, you really have to open drive and then navigate back to the folder where you were on a different computer. Well, there's no desktop application for drive. There is, but it's just the native file system, which is as good or as bad as it is for you. When those are just like, even those are hyperlinks, like they're hyperlinks to Chrome and then it opens in Chrome or whatever browser you're using. Absolutely. Uh, I, I can't remember if we talked about it last week about Microsoft's focus on cross-platform maybe markets. Yeah, we talked about it in the uh, context of build. Cause that, that, yeah, because that was the Microsoft yeah. Graph thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and this, I think this is a good example of, of why that is something they mm-hmm. should be focusing on because that's what people look for. Like People have PCs at work, generally. Um, and people want to be able to access that same stuff at home and on their personal yeah. device, which is often either Mac, iOS, or Android. Mm-hmm. Sometimes PC as well, if there's a laptop or a desktop kicking around the house. But 
with people using tablets and phones for for the most part then uh being able to interact with your windows environment or windows files outside of your pc is something that a lot of people i think want and and if microsoft can you know sell a 10 dollar per month subscription to whatever it is that allows them to do that then i think that's probably their best business model than trying to sell a windows phone that integrates or um, windows tablets or whatever it is right so like i think i see the benefit of things like office 365 and OneDrive. like for me that those aren't solutions that i need right now but i can definitely see the value of it if uh you know if a whole enterprise type system jumps on board with that and and rob you're mentioning that you're trying to (laughs) (laughs) encourage either silently or or maybe a bit more audibly yes. for for your work to to get onto 365. Yeah. My uh, we won't talk about it this week because there's not enough time. But I do want to bring I'm going to bring this up in a future episode. Um, my attempts s- since this um, ransomware that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the WannaCry, um, the risks of having unpatched uh, or unpatchable software because it's out of software range, and I just I I did some research before this episode. Again, I I'm not going to get into it now, but I just want to mention. Um, I did some research on Windows 7, which is what we currently use at work, and Windows or and Microsoft Office 2007, 2010. 2010 10. is what we use at work. Yeah. Um, the yeah. extended support for Windows 7 ends in 2020, and if you've ever worked in government, you know that if someone starts something now, especially a big thing like upgrading operating <laughs> systems, it might not get done by January 14, 2020, but mainstream support which is kind of the consumer level support ended for windows 7 as of january 13th 2015 so we are well outside we're two over two years outside the range of mainstream support for windows 7 already and obviously it's different because they're using windows 7 enterprise but um there's a lot of things that go along with that where i feel like i need to be strongly pushing that we need to if they're not already thinking about it they need to be thinking quickly about upgrading their systems because it's an enterprise license, you're already right. paying for an enterprise license. Why not just pay for an updated updated enterprise license? But anyways, that's that's something that I'm working on now and I'll I'll bring up later. Talk about in more detail. By the way, I I made some notes in my personal notebook about it's literally a note called updating NSERC systems and I've got sections. So I'm I'm fleshing it out in OneNote because it is taking over my life. And then you can put the PowerPoint presentation it's, you're preparing exactly. into that same folder. And I will. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> okay, Mike, out of your stories, what do you want to close out the show with? Uh, I think talking about the IFTTT oh, is probably appropriate. I think it, it keeps yeah. with the theme of I've the been, show. I've been so far. keeping quiet out of, I guess, probably non-binding NDA agreement. But what did IFTTT <laughs> finally announce? <laughs> <laughs> they uh they're opening up their new system i don't know if it's a new system because the, the, the idea of applets has been around for a couple months if not a year they changed the branding right? they called them trans- applets yeah instead of yeah. recipes so they went yeah they went from recipes to applets which i guess is more like cody type feel um so i guess they started this program of allowing users to be more involved in I don't know if it's like coming up with triggers and actions. Like I, I haven't, I literally got accepted to the program when they yeah. opened it up to the public. 
So I, I've after reading that is now a public, I'm like, that's not as special now. Because I got I got the email saying you've been accepted to yeah. the program. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And it's like, wait, I didn't get accepted. Yeah. It's just open now. Uh so Rob, you could probably talk a bit more on, on what was involved on the, the beta yeah. maker side. But the the gist of it is that it's now a way more flexible and it's basically allowing us as IFTTT users to generate workflows that we've been wanting right. for the past couple of mm-hmm. years since we started using it basically. Uh, so presumably they had been working on this since we wanted them because they identified it as something that people want. We obviously weren't the only people wanting it. So uh, now now anyone who was in our position from a couple of years ago was able to do what yep. we wanted in in one form or another. And Rob, why don't you kind of give well, us a bit so of insight on that? This, does, this update now being public gives a bunch of features that I had talked about in previous episodes about really wanting out of ifttt or at least some automation thing and i think there's another competing um programming applet recipe type thing called zapier that or zapier that does some of these things slightly differently or in different ways that have have recently been updated um so one of the things they have i believe they have cascading um applets i guess you'd call them that kind of run can run the gamut through a number of services and like take a piece of information run it through a service and then send that output of that to another service whereas what i've ttt introduced is just kind of batching of like having one trigger set off multiple different actions and so that's been really powerful for me because it means that I can turn my four different IFTTT recipes for a show like Future Chat, where I want to, if I want to save a link, I can have it do a bunch of different things. Instead of writing four recipes, I can write one that I can then change. If I'm changing anything of the recipe, I don't have to go and change it in four places. I can just go open the recipe or the applet and then make the change and then save it and I'm done. Uh, so I... I like that aspect, but the more powerful aspect that I haven't even really started looking into is that you can use JavaScript as just the the programming language they chose, but you can write some programming that when a trigger runs, it will read that JavaScript and a condition set in it and only run conditionally based on that script. So in theory, you could say anytime someone in a tweet mentions this hashtag, notify me via text message and that would get super annoying if someone at 3 a.m texted you so what you could do is have it say if it goes to if if i get this tweet mentioning this tweet me unless it's between the hours of 10 p.m and 8 a.m in which case send it to this other service and do this with it whatever and so it enables that functionality itself just enabling that coding lets you be a lot more nuanced in how you set up actions and the the way that they've implemented it is actually really neat because once a service registers with ifttt they set up a bunch of different triggers and they set up a bunch of different possible actions but in so doing it lets ifttt set up an api to use any of the bits of information that the service sets up. So like if for Twitter's service, for instance, one of the things they set up is the time of the tweet. So you you actually have that time of tweet as a mm. trigger that you can use right. to, as in JavaScript conditionals. You have the content of the tweet. You have the Twitter user. You can... 
So one of the things that I had talked about wanting was being able to trigger something based on time of day. And that still isn't a thing. But because I can use JavaScript, I could just set up, I could theoretically use any trigger that's going to trigger all the time. Like there's constantly going to be something new happening with that trigger and conditionally set it to if it's 8 a.m. or between 8 a.m. and 8.15, do this. And then it will go and run and I can I can set whatever I want as the output. So I don't really need to have like if it's eight o'clock trigger because I can I can kind of work around it. So it's not ideal for every situation, but it's a, it enables a lot more because basically now anything you can program with JavaScript, you can you can put into output because you could set mm-hmm. you could take the tri- like trigger text, like say you have again, I'll use Twitter as an example. You could say take the text of a tweet you could run that tweet text through some kind of programming, whether it be like deleting words, whether it be like adding asterisks around a word, and then take that new text that you've morphed through JavaScript that you've changed in some way, and then run that through the action. So you can take input from a service, run it through basically just programming, because I if JavaScript isn't Turing complete, it's darn near close. So you can basically do anything you want with within JavaScript. You could even probably link to external JavaScript if you wanted. Like there's all these kinds of things that this enables that makes IFTTT such a more open thing. Where we, Mike and I were always complaining that IFTTT was very, very, very narrow. Now it's incredibly broad and you can do all kinds of things conditionally and all of that. I just, it's awesome. This is basically what workflow allowed people to do, right? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. So workflow is even better in that it lets you set. I mean, I guess you could do it with JavaScript. It would take. So. Yeah. No, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is mo- it's a system level. It's not necessarily thing, a system right? level, but it's a, a programming system, level. Like, so if you, if you know. Like what I mean is, is you can tap into like being at Mac only, I'll use that as the example, but you can tap into your, your systems, mm-hmm. I don't know, calendar, mm-hmm. for example, or your systems clock and say yeah. at this time, do this. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that's kind of how it works and that's might not be a perfect example, that's but fine, that's yeah. the idea. Uh, and you can, you can plug into, to APIs as well, uh, directly and, and run code on it and, and that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, but I think it does a lot more. Uh, like you don't have to know right. programming, yeah. like it does the the ad lib type thing, right? Or combining yeah. different parts into a single thing, and it runs. It's it in the visual back programming, whatever. yeah, yeah. So, so this is similar in that sense where you can stick with a visual part where you're using mm-hmm. the triggers and actions, or you can just go straight to the JavaScript, which is essentially what yeah, it's doing it in the is. background anyway. But in very very limited, very structured ways. Whereas this. You can basically, like I said, because it's programming, you can basically do anything you want. You can set variables within the JavaScript code to totally overtake. Yeah. Like all the trigger does is set. So for, for yeah, for IFTTT, run it. it's like run on a trigger. So the trigger still has to be one of the things that they have. But for workflow, the trigger has to either be like you can do a share extension, you can do an, an action. So like, when I hit this button, do the thing. Or there's one other thing, but there so there are still triggers, but they're they're within the operating system. And oh, so can you use can you use the same stuff with like 
the do button? Yes. Yep. The do button could trigger things. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Because then you could like, yeah, you can yeah. literally do anything. That, yeah. So when I say you can, you can do, if, if you can program it, like if it's possible to program a thing, a computer to do a thing, you can now do it with IFTTT and a button because they have the do button. Yeah. Nice. I'm very excited for IFTTT. I haven't looked too far into it. All I've really done is set up a few kind of recipes that trigger a bunch of things. But yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Can you combine this with OnePlus somehow? OneNote? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I, I believe so. I haven't actually even looked. I was, I've was. i meant to look pretty much the entire weekend. I'll just go check right now if OneNote is one of the either triggers or actions. I don't see how it couldn't be. But honestly, just because of the way the internet works, yeah, there is. OneNote is one of the services. Because it sounds like you could just revolutionize your whole life yeah. right here. You can send your pocket favorites to OneNote. You can send your iPhone screenshots to OneNote. You can you can do pretty much anything to OneNote. One of the cool things that I liked, um, and I don't know if this is related to this release of the public, the beta now being public, is the integration with Assistant. Yeah. That's probably a separate thing, but I, I really liked that yeah. possibility of being able to essentially fully automate your house or your yeah. life, essentially, with uh, with being able to tap yeah. into a system. Well, I, to be honest, because Mike, you and I talked about it. I, f I feel like it was in an area where Nick could see it, but Nick probably didn't because we <laughs> flood Slack with things. Um, but with the Google Assistant integration now, you can program the Google Assistant, the voice assistant, to react to any, like you set a phrase, a trigger phrase that you say when you say that phrase. And you can also, when you're setting up the trigger, you can not only say when it says this phrase, do this thing, but you can set up alternate phrases, like alternate phrasings of the thing that will also trigger the same action. So you could phrase it in different ways if you want. I haven't done that, but it seems interesting. At least they're optional um, separate triggers. But then you set, you not only set what you want it to, to respond to when you say a certain thing, but you can set the assistant's response so it can respond with whatever text you want, including the variable. So if I say, like, if I'm trying to automate my Nest thermostat with Google Assistant and IFTTT, I could set up, I could say, like, okay, Google, change my, um, change my thermostat to 72. And so I would program in the number 72 into IFTTT so that when I say... Uh, okay, Google, change my Nest thermostat to blank. It will grab that number out, whatever number I spoke. And then I can set the Google Assistant to respond. Okay, Rob, your the temperature of your thing is now blank, whatever, 72. And then it will trigger the action that then turns the Nest thermostat to 72. And you can... Do yeah. you have... Do you, sorry, do you have a Nest thermostat? I don't thermostat? have a Nest thermostat, but that's an example. I don't. I don't have any internet of things things but <laughs> okay and i don't have any internet of stuff. things <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. stuff of internet <laughs> are you just casually using fahrenheit now rob i was, I was gonna I, say i was like the what, only time my thermostat is, is in fahrenheit is. but that was not my choice and i don't really use it gosh um what that uh, was the default so what year is it over in vanier there i don't know <laughs> Early 70s, maybe? Um, I don't know. What is it in metric? 21. <laughs> no, I mean, what year is it in metric? Anyways, 
Um, yeah, that's a bad example. That's a very controversial example. I, I do have my, I changed my default weather system in Google Assistant to Celsius. So it's a bad example in my personal case, but I've never said it. My, I just know my thermostat works in Fahrenheit. That's yeah. sad. It, it actually is kind of sad. I, I would change it, but um, then it would mean learning my thermostat and, and it's just not worth it. Well, works for you So I'm very excited. I have, again, I, so I've set up, I set up a test thing. Like I basically, my Google assistant, the most complicated thing it'll do is respond to, if I say, this is a test, it will respond like you're darn right it is or something. And then it'll, it'll send a message to Slackbot saying like, this was a successful test. Like I just tested it, but it does work. And not only, like I mentioned, you can trigger, you can tell it to pull out a number. So if I say set my thermostat to 21, it will pull out the number 21 and throw it into the action. But you can also set up a trigger phrase. So if I say, if I say, okay, Google text Julia, I'll be home in 10 minutes. And I so I set up the trigger. Okay, Google text Julia blank. And I leave, I put in the, like the, I think it's just like a, mm, right. Uh, is it a dash or something? It's some, it's some character that is the variable placeholder. It will pull that text out and it will send that text to the action. So it would send a text message saying whatever I'm, I'll be late, whatever the message is. Right. So, or you could say, yeah. Okay, Google, yeah. I'm on and my it way. Recognize. And then it yeah. will do whatever based on that. Exactly. Trigger. So it's very power. It's very, very powerful. And with the, again, with the JavaScript conditional thing or programming you can do, you could basically, there's basically limitless what you could do. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was a cathartic episode for me. <laughs> I yeah. bet. Did you guys have anything You're fired up before we, uh, before we wrap up? I'm so, sorry. I'm so sorry that I took up that episode, but it was so worth it for me. It's cool. I took the first That's half true. hour, basically. <laughs> That's very Mike. true. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, I will thank you for listening once again to this week's episode of Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat and uh, check out past episodes and all the links we talked about today. I will recommend one more time. Go check out OneNote if you haven't in a while because as you can tell, I'm very, very excited about all the improvements it's gotten over the years since I last tried it. See you next week. Ciao. Toodaloo. This goes down in history as my new favorite.